Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Knowledge is Power, Evolving Evidence for Emerging LAG3 Targeting Therapies in the Treatment of Advanced Melanoma. To access the full program and supporting materials, visit www.answersincme.com forward slash UVN860. This activity is supported through an independent educational grant from Bristol Myers Squibb. My name is Hussein Taubi, and I'm a professor and deputy chair of melanoma medical oncology at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, where I also direct the brain metastases clinic. We are going to discuss newly emerging combination therapies in the first-line setting for the management of patients with metastatic melanoma. We have a new treatment strategy, new data to discuss, and hopefully uh, ways that we can improve the outcome of our patients with metastatic disease. Available therapies for patients with uh, metastatic melanoma include single-agent PD-1 antibody, but also the combination of CTLA-4 and PD-1. There's also been some data for using lower doses of CTLA-4. LA4, and now we have the combination of PD-1 and LAG-3. And we also have to remember that we have for BRAF-mutated patients three different combination BRAF-MEK inhibitors that are also approved in the first line. As we try to choose what's the most applicable and effective therapy for our patients, we know that single-agent PD-1 can also cure about 42% of patients and single-agent ipilimumab about 23% of patients. I would say that the combination of ipilimumab and nivolumab potentially has the longest track record in terms of showing a high rate of efficacy, and now we have a seven-and-a-half-year survival data indicating a median survival of about six years with the combination. The added benefit comes at the risk of added toxicity as well. That combination of ipilimumab and nivolumab has about 55% grade 3-4 toxicity, and the search has been on for several years to identify other checkpoints that would be relevant to inhibit clinically and biologically. LAG3 is one such checkpoint. LAG3 is a checkpoint that's co-expressed on exhausted T-cells and leads to decreased effector function of T-cells. And inhibition of LAG3 with the anti-LAG3 antibodies has shown improved function of these effector T-cells and reversing exhaustion. Recent combinations using this therapy or this approach have centered on the combination of PD-1 with LAG3. We reported about a year ago updated data from Relativity 047 that the combination of nivolumab and velatlimab is in fact more effective than single-agent nivolumab in a phase 3 study. More than one LAG3 inhibitor is being developed, and the other two combinations that seem to be moving forward are pembrolizumab and fevezilumab and semiplimab and fianlimab. So it will be very important to identify with the addition of LAG3 to PD-1 whether we have in our hands and a new combination that is effective and potentially safer for our patients with first-line metastatic melanoma. And what we're going to do next is understand the clinical interpretation of the latest efficacy data for emerging LAG3 inhibitors and other anti-LAG3 antibodies in combination with PD-1.
Most of the therapies that are approved in metastatic melanoma have had their indications in the first-line setting, and combination immunotherapy has been pretty much led by a nivolumab and ipilimumab combination. Uh, we have the new combination of LAG3 and PD-1, nivolumab and relatinumab that has just received FDA approval this past March in the first-line setting. Relativity 047 was a phase 2-3 trial of patients with an untreated metastatic melanoma who were randomized to either nivolumab and relaxamab in a fixed-dose combination or to nivolumab alone, and the primary endpoint was progression-free survival, and secondary endpoints included overall survival and objective response rates. The primary PFS analysis was originally presented with about 13 months of follow-up, but was updated in March with a median follow-up of 19.3 months and showed a hazard ratio of 0.78 in favor of nivolumab and relatinumab with a median PFS of 10.2 months versus 4.6 months for nivolumab alone. The updated overall survival as well as a secondary endpoint showed a hazard ratio of 0.8, so a 20% reduction in the risk of death with the combination. However, the p-value is not statistically significant it also showed that the response rate was 43.1% for the combination versus 32.6% for single agent nivolumab. We also have smaller studies showing potential value for LAG3 and PD-1 combinations, including a 33-patient study of fianlimab and semiplimab that showed a response rate of 67% in the first-line setting, and a 20-patient study of lirimilimab and spartalizumab that showed a 15% response rate in the naive setting. Those drugs are being considered for further evaluation in the first-line setting, and it'll be interesting to see if there's a differential in their efficacy or safety profiles. We will next discuss the safety profiles of LAG3 targeting immunotherapies and provide some guidance to optimize their use for the treatment of patients with advanced melanoma. The experience with combination immunotherapy with CTLA-4 and PD-1 has shown us that the added benefit of the combination unfortunately comes at the risk of added toxicity with a higher incidence of immune-related adverse events that's almost two to three times as high as a single agent, and also with more toxicities occurring per patient and usually early on in treatment course. In the Relativity 047 trial, this is a very valuable data set with over 350 patients per arm. And the treatment-related toxicity was 21.1% for the relatlimab and nivolumab combination and was 11.1% for nivolumab alone. With nivolumab and relatlimab, we see an increased toxicity from the combination, but the increase in toxicity is relatively modest. And the profile and the quality of the toxicity are much more consistent with single agent in terms of the incidence, the timing of it, and how many toxicities per patient we experience. So we see immune-related adverse events like rash, diarrhea, or colitis, hepatitis, and adrenal insufficiency. The rates are, again, about double for the combination for each of those toxicities compared to the single agent. And the other toxicity that was concerning initially in the development of like three antibodies was myocarditis. And in this study, there were only a few myocarditis cases and they were present on both arms. In fact, in the nivolumab arm, one patient did experience that. 
And so it didn't emerge as a particularly concerning toxicity as had originally been considered. Importantly, treatment discontinuation was relatively low in the order of 10% in the combination arm. And what we really care about is that this combination with a new checkpoint lag 3 seems to induce a higher incidence of certain toxicities, but the quality of the toxicities is very, very similar between the two arms. We see that the combinations of LAC3 and PD-1 that are being developed like fianlimab and simiplimab seems to show a similar rate of toxicity, perhaps a slightly higher rate of adrenal insufficiency than would be expected for single-agent PD-1, so that remains to be examined in future trials. And with lorimilimab and spartalizumab, again, we see some of the expected immune-related adverse events. Next, we're going to identify which patients may benefit from targeting the LAC3 pathway. Now that we have a new combination of checkpoint inhibitors with nivolumab and rilatlimab FDA approved, an important question is which patients does it apply to and how can we choose patient characteristics that would give us an indication of who might benefit from this combination. We need to examine the population that was included in Relativity 047, and it is highly reflective of what we see in our practice for a first-line metastatic disease trial, with the LDH levels being elevated in about 40% of patients, M1C and M1D disease also in about 40% of patients, and BRAF mutations in about you know 38 to 40%. So very reflective of what we see in our daily practice. And therefore, I think the results of Relativity 047 are applicable for this population. We recently presented at ASCO subgroup analyses trying to look at particular characteristics that could show a better or worse benefit of the combination. We had stratified the study for LAG3 and PDL1, and the difference by PDL1 status or LAG3 was actually almost non-existent. So you saw the same rate of benefit in both populations. We maybe see, as we do in other studies, that PD-L1 and LAG3 expression may be prognostic rather than predictive of the response in this population. We also examined the role of the BRAF mutation because with Ipinevo, we see a better benefit for BRAF-mutated patients with a combination. This was not the case with nivolumab and rilatlimab, and the magnitude of the benefit in both BRAF-mutated and BRAF-wild-type tumors was almost exactly the same. We also examined high tumor burden patients, and you saw that with higher tumor burden, there are worse clinical outcomes in general, as we know, but the magnitude of the benefit for the combination remained pretty consistent and about the same for each of the tumor burden subgroups, each of the high LDH versus low LDH subgroup. One of the things that we hear about is whether the presence of something like autoimmune toxicities may deter you from using a combination versus single agent. And that is a reasonable consideration that needs to be studied in a prospective fashion. In fact, we're studying single agent PD-1 in patients with autoimmune disorders in an NCI-supported trial called AIM-NEVO. And the hope is in the short term, we might be able to actually add combinations like nivolumab and rilatlimab to prospectively study them in these populations at higher risk of toxicity. The other thing you should consider for that population is you may observe actually better benefits. So it's worth studying those. Next, we're going to be discussing clinical perspectives on how to monitor and manage treatment-related adverse events that occur with the combination of LAG3 and PD-1 inhibitors.
The use of combination immunotherapy has improved the care of our patients with metastatic disease. It's definitely given us improvements in PFS and response rates and potentially in overall survival. But we also know that as we use these combinations, we increase the rate of toxicity. As discussed previously, maybe quite dramatically with CTLA-4 and PD-1, maybe not so dramatically with LAG-3 and PD-1. However, those toxicities can occur and for an individual patients can be quite severe regardless of which combination you use or even sometimes a single agent. And we know that the mechanism of toxicity is usually by generating an immune response to the wrong tissues, to the normal tissues of the body, and that can include all of the organs from neurologic to lung, liver, endocrine is very important as well as GI and musculoskeletal. As we think about these toxicities, it's very important to keep in mind that with the first infusion, these toxicities can occur. And in my practice, what we do is we give patients access to us on a regular basis. We see them with these combinations every three or four weeks, depending on what you use in the volumab We check all of their blood work every four weeks, including CBC, CMP. We look at the kidneys, the liver, and we obviously talk to the patients about their symptoms. From an endocrine perspective, that may be one of the hardest ones to monitor. We check thyroid function pretty regularly on those patients. But for something like adrenal insufficiency and other more subtle toxicities, we go by the patient's symptoms at this point. Importantly, in the first two to three cycles is where you start seeing the emergence of some of the most common toxicities, giving the patient education about what they could experience and asking them to report to you as early as possible any of the known side effects will help identify those toxicities as early as possible and usually manage them before they become too severe or well-established. So again, education for the patient and communication with and from the patients are very important. I hope that I've managed to communicate to you some of the excellent results we see with combination immunotherapy in the first-line setting for patients with metastatic melanoma. We have a new combination that offers benefit to our patients. It also comes with a slightly increased risk of toxicity that we need to recognize and be able to manage early on. We look forward to seeing further data in this space and other populations that hopefully will benefit from this combination. Thank you for listening. Please visit www.answersincme.com forward slash UVN860 to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.